Thank you for joining us today. It is Palm Sunday, and quite unusual as we normally celebrate with a church filled with people, but you're going to be celebrating a little bit differently at home on this particular Palm Sunday. Just want to say a word to you as we get ready to start. We've had some calls and questions that have come in. Do we have to have the certain cracker and the grape juice? The answer is no. So before we get started, some people are using a different kind of juice, a different kind of drink, a different kind of bread or cracker. Perfectly fine. The elements are representation of what we're going to be talking about today. So I want to put the emphasis on talking about the Lord and what the elements really signify. So today, if you haven't gotten that, you have some time to still put that together and to celebrate that today. What I normally just admonish the congregation about when we do get ready to start is some of you will have children sitting with you perhaps on a sofa or in a chair. You may have some friends over that uh, may just want to be part of that, I don't know, uh, family. And use this today. Teach your children about what this is all about. It's a great opportunity. And young person, if you're watching today, listen carefully. Now listen to your mom and dad or your caregiver about the significance or the importance about what we're going to share today with the Lord's Supper because we want people who are truly believers in what Jesus has done for them on the cross to participate in that. What did Jesus do? What is Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday is when Jesus entered into Jerusalem on his way to a cross. And on that cross, he came to die for the sins of the world. Whether you're a child or you're a fully grown adult, Jesus loves you. And Jesus knows that to get to heaven, we'd have to be perfect, never have sinned. But because Jesus was perfect, he bled and died on the cross for our sins. You see, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, or what you get paid for sin is death. And biblically, death is separation from God forever and a place called hell. But because God loved us, he paid the wages for our sin. He bled, he suffered, he died. And three days later, he rose from the grave to prove he was God and show that he had power over sin and death. And so Palm Sunday is about remembering his entrance into Jerusalem to go to that that cross. And today we're reminded with the Lord's Supper of what it's all about of what Jesus did for us. So I pray today that you've received the gift of eternal life. Eternal life and going to heaven is not a matter of being good enough to earn it or because no one is. It's about receiving and believing in Jesus, not a system, not a religion, not this church, not a denomination, but in the person of Jesus, God who took on flesh, the one that loved you and loved me so much that he died on the cross for our sins. Our passage today is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll be looking at verses 23 through 31. As we refer to those scriptures, I'd like you to follow along as the Word of God teaches us how we celebrate this supper. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, 
and recounting that very night when Jesus instituted the supper. He says, on the night he was betrayed. Wow. Think about it. The most awful night where Satan thought he had his victory, Jesus turned into something quite different. It says that Jesus took bread, bread as was used in the Passover, where is the celebration of the Jews leaving Egypt to go to the promised land. They were told to sweep all the leaven, all the yeast out of the house, and they made a very flat bread. That's why we use the flat bread that we use, and it symbolized that journey. It was a symbol of remembrance. And the Word of God says, And when he had given thanks, the Lord Jesus prayed many different times before eating, before different events, even in Matthew chapter 14, verse 19, when Jesus had the feeding of the 5,000, it says he gave thanks before he distributed the food. The Word of God says he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so you have the opportunity to personalize that today. Once again, whether you're a child or an adult, was it for you? You must personalize it. The gift is out there, but only you can determine if you've truly received forgiveness of sins from Jesus Christ and received the gift of eternal life. Is it for you? You can settle that today by receiving Christ, the gift of eternal life. Jesus goes on and continues in the supper in verse uh, 25 of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. It says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You'll note that twice Jesus uses that phraseology in remembrance of me. Now, the cup stood for something very important. In the Passover, what they did when the death angel, before the death angel came, the Jews were told to slaughter a male lamb without blemish and to take the blood from that lamb and put it on their doorpost, the entrance to their home, and on the lintel over the doorway, smear it with the blood so that when the death angel came, there would be a Passover. He would pass over their house, and no one in that house, no firstborn, would die. And so we have a very wonderful typology here, the blood of Jesus Christ. When we apply that and believe that that blood paid for our, our sins on the cross, there is a Passover for us. We pass from death to life because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So today, when you think about the liquid you're drinking... It represents that blood of Christ. When you think about the blood, the blood it's, it's, it symbolizes. Without the, the shedding of blood, there's no remission or forgiveness of sins. So these typologies, these different symbols, teach us a lot. The body being the body of Jesus, which was broken for us, and the blood, which symbolizes the, the, the Jews being involved in the Passover, where the death angel passed over from them. And it's a new covenant. It's new. The old covenant took them, well, it took them to a couple of different things. It was a repetition. 
They repeated the Passover meal time after time. They repeated the slaughtering of the lambs year after year. Millions of lambs over the year were slaughtered, blood applied to the altar as a sacrifice. But you see, in the new covenant, it's once for all. The Lamb of God, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so it was once for all. There was that covenant that was the old covenant that was kept by the Jews, and they still many celebrate the Passover today. As believers, we believe in the new covenant. The Passover was changed by the Lord Jesus Christ into what we do now call the Lord's Supper. And the Word of God tells us we're to do it in remembrance of Jesus. Now, we've talked about this on lots of different occasions. When we remember something now, you may remember someone's birthday. You may remember a fact from history in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. We can remember facts about math, about science, but it's quite different. In the Jewish mind, the Hebraic mind, the Lord's Supper and these symbols in the Passover were more than just recalling something. They're recapturing the essence of an event. That is why I'm very passionate as we come to receive the elements in just a little bit, that we go on a journey in our mind of remembrance, recapturing what that was. I think it's quite fitting in all that's taking place in our world. With everything that can fill our minds with health issues and virus issues and confinement issues, that we go back to remember the most important thing that there is. And God in his wisdom instituted this so we would go back and remember. It puts things in perspective. And today, even as you celebrate that in your home or wherever you're located, you get to remember what it's all about. And by the way, let me just throw in right here. Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. Whatever concerns you may have about what's going on, bring it back to the cross. Bring it back to remembrance of how much God loves us. In fact, the Word of God says all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who have been called according to His purpose. God can take this, and as I've said in our theme a few weeks ago, God can help us to reemerge stronger as an individual, as a family, and as a church. That's our goal. We want God to work in our lives. So you want to recapture that, and I'm going to lead us in recapturing that even while you're at your home. And there'll be some depictions you'll see from our murals behind me when we have that, where you can go back in that time and you can celebrate what God has done for you. Now, as we look at verse 26, the Word of God gives us something that's very important in that it tells us, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, the word of God gives us something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. You proclaim the the Lord's what? It tells us right there. We proclaim what he has done until he comes. And so we're really a witness today, aren't we? We're a witness. It keeps believers looking forward until he comes. And he is coming one day. And the way things are shaping up, it could be sooner than later. I don't know. But regardless, our business is to occupy or stay busy until he comes. But I think as believers in the Lord Jesus, we do look forward to that, that one day when he does come to take us to be with him, 
There's no viruses, sickness, pain, or sorrow in heaven. What a great thing that our God loved us so much to remove us from this fallen earth, to bring us to a new place by providing salvation for us. We look forward today. And I pray even as we're looking at all the other elements that we have surrounding us and media and all of that, and some of it's quite negative, be looking for the fact that one day Jesus will return. Just as sure as he came, he's going to return. There is something, though, we need to look at that's quite important, found in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 11. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Now, it's quite serious. I know that in many places, and you may have some people that are watching today that have different views on the Lord's Supper and how it's celebrated. But I think you'd have a hard time arguing with the fact that it does come with a warning. You'd have a hard time arguing with the fact, what is that talking about? An unworthy manner. Well, many people around the world take the Lord's Supper, taking it in an unworthy manner. One example might be if you take it ritualistically. You do it because everyone else is doing it or you're supposed to do it. That's an unworthy manner. An unworthy manner would be to take the supper and, well, have unforgiveness in your heart. There may be something right now that may be on your heart, and it may be even a fear issue. Did you know that the Word of God says, be anxious for nothing in Philippians 4, 6, and 7? That means don't worry about anything. And all of us can step over that line from being concerned to being worried. So I ask you now, if you may, you may have that in your heart. The Bible says to fear only one thing, fear God. Trust him for the rest. Once again, Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. Think about this. Think about how important it is to examine ourselves. You see, postponed obedience is rebellion. If God has laid something on your heart, and you know you need to deal with that even now. And sometimes being confined in home, we can all say things that maybe we shouldn't say. We can all have an attitude maybe we shouldn't have. This is a time to confess that, to examine and look at that, because we're not to take it in an unworthy manner. That is, with issues and attitudes that exist in our heart that are not good, that are unbiblical, that go against God's word. So it's important. Let's use this. Even as you gather, God knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. Once again, postponed obedience is rebellion. If the Lord has convicted you and showed you something in your life, it doesn't need to be dealt with tomorrow or in two hours from now. It can be dealt with right now between you and your God and your heart. Deal with it. Be through with it. Because if you don't, the Word of God says you'll be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? I have in this box a flag that one of our dear members presented to me some time ago, and it actually flew over Baghdad. And during the wars over there and all that was taking place, many of you have seen depictions of people burning this and spitting on it and stepping on it. And if you saw that and it upsets you, you weren't upset because of the fabric on this flag. And this very flag did fly there. 
And someone could have come and done that, but they didn't. But when you saw that depiction of people doing that, your reaction was, oh no, the, the material that's made out of the cotton or the nylon or whatever the flag is made out of, you weren't upset about that. You were upset because this represents something. It represents our nation. It represents religious freedom. It represents our way of life. That's what would upset you. And when it says sinning against the body and blood of Christ, it's taking those elements and not really putting into perspective what they're all about. Once again, it's just ritual. It's, it's fulfilling something. It's taking it with unconfessed sin. It's postponed obedience, which is rebellion. So God wants us to take it in a worthy manner because to take it in an unworthy manner, the same way we'd be upset for someone stepping on that or lighting that flag on fire, what happens when we take it in an unworthy manner? It's like we are spitting in the face of God. We're dishonoring what Jesus has done. We're saying, Jesus, I receive forgiveness of all my sins, but I won't forgive someone else. It's saying, Jesus, I know I'm to obey your word, but I'm going to hold this one back. It's a secret. But dear friend, God knows all our secrets. There are no secret sins to God. He knows them all. And it's very redemptive. I want to say this redemptively. It's a great time to deal with it, get done with it. Look at this next verse. It further clarifies. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why this is serious. That's why I spend some time not just putting this at the end of a service, but we spend time really looking at the essence of what this is all about. There is to be a true remembrance, a true examination of our hearts before we take this. A man ought to examine themselves because they drink judgment on himself. Now, the word judgment there, crema, does not have to do with eternal judgment. It has to do with chastisement. And we'll see what that chastisement is in just a moment because the Bible gives the explanation right in the context of what that's all about. Now, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, the reason I say this is not talking about eternal judgment because it says in Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So those of you out there that are with Christ Jesus received him, there's no condemnation for you, no eternal condemnation. However, there can be chastisement. And the Bible has specificity regarding what some of that chastisement can be all about. If you're not recognizing what this is all about, what Jesus has done, and how it applies to us in our attitude and in our hearts. Bring up the next slide if you would. Because there I want you to see something. What is that judgment? What is that chastisement that comes upon us? The Word of God, once again, the best explanation is right there. I think it has particular application in the season of this world that we're in. I want you to see this passage. Look at it. It says, That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now, there's a remedy. Look at verse 31. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. That is why 
I've spent some time to talk about the significance of what it is to take this in an unworthy manner. Because there is a remedy for this. There's a remedy if we judge ourselves. You see, we, either we can judge ourselves what's going on in our life or we can fall under the chastisement of God. The Word of God is very specific. It says, just as in the church of, uh, church of Corinth, many were weak there, many were sick, many had fallen asleep. That means they had died. God had called them home. There's a point where we can be in such disobedience that we can hurt our testimony so much to our families and before our community and workplace or schools, wherever, that God finds it in his divine providence more profitable for you just to be taken out of this world. To make light of what the Lord has done is a very, very serious thing for those that have already taken him into their lives. That is why if we judge ourselves. And so I pray that as you were listening today, that we would not come under judgment, that you would heed what the word of God has said, that you would listen to that. And right now, before I even approach the elements, what I want to do is just have you bow your head and close your eyes while you're at home. You're in the privacy of your own mind, of your own home, your own place. And in these moments, would you take that time? The word examine is a very, very important thing. You see, we know those things that may be in our heart that God has been telling us. You need to get that right. And if the Holy Spirit right now is telling you that, what a great time to confess it to him to lift it up before him and say, God, I need to get rid of this out of my life. I, would you forgive me? I confess it. I own this. And friend, whether you're six years old or 96 years old, God will hear your heart even as your head is still bowed and you're praying that to him. And that is why I have this sort of a pause in the message because I want you to be able to deal with this. Sin is not something that's confined to a certain age group. All people of all ages can sin. God gives us this time, and it's a wonderful thing for us. Do you know why? It's one of the ways that God purifies his church. When we receive the supper all over, and you see the church, you say, well, pastor, we're not at church. Yes, you are. The body of the believers, they are the church. I'm right now in a building where the church meets But God uses the Lord's Supper as a purifying process for the church universally, for our local church. He uses it to to purify families, individuals. It's a purifying process. It's not just a little act we take to, to take some bread and some juice. It's an act that has to do with some real heartfelt belief in God and obedience to him and not postponing our obedience but listening to him. It's a purifier. And I pray today it's a purifier in your heart. Okay, if you lift your head up, there's a process we go through when we think about the elements. And once again, you may have some different elements in your home. They may be a different type of loaf bread or a different kind of cracker. It's fine. If you have a different type of liquid, that's fine. Once again, it's not the importance of the symbol. It's what's behind the symbol that's very important. 
And today, what I'd like you to do, that if you were here in our worship center, I invite you to let the Holy Spirit of God take you back on a walk, to take you back in time as only God can. You see, God created our minds with the capacity to remember, to recapture something. Just as some of you can recapture a certain Christmas morning, and you can remember the feelings of that, or some of you can re- recapture something that's kind of, kind of difficult, maybe even 9-11, where you were at that time, you recapture the feelings. When the Word of God says, do this in remembrance of me, and Jesus repeats it, he wants us to recapture that. So through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, allow yourself to go back a couple of thousand years And in your mind's eye, you've seen enough depictions. None of them are exact and none could be. But in your mind's eye, you can begin to understand what it would be like to have dusty dirt roads. Some are lined with stones. You have your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's been flogged, almost beaten to death. His back is raw, bleeding. They've placed a crown of thorns on his head. The crowds who are yelling Hosanna on Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Hosanna means save, save. Now have yelled crucify, crucify. And there he is. His disciples have left. They've run away. Peter has denied him several times in that courtyard. And there is Jesus. Today you have an opportunity to go back. Feel free to find yourself dressed in biblical garb. Feel free to to smell through the power of the Holy Spirit the the sense of that day and time, fires burning in fireplaces and in stoves, people pushing and shoving, people yelling, people mocking Jesus. Take yourself back and see yourself going up that road. There are religious people on that road, the Sadducees and Pharisees, the the people who were in charge of religion in that day and time were there. They're all so glad. They think they're going to get rid of Jesus. But let me say this to you. Who was there to thank Jesus? Who was there with all the horror of the day? I know we feel confined and Lonely at times in our homes or if you're in your apartment or assisted living. Imagine the loneliness it would have felt like to have tens of thousands of people screaming and yelling at you, mocking you, slandering you, to feel that loneliness. And if your heart goes out to Jesus as he's going up that road, not to pay for his sins, but to pay for mine and for yours, would you see yourself in your mind's eye just calling out to him as you've worked your way through that crowd? Would you see in your mind's eye that Jesus is coming by and just thank him? Jesus, thank you. You're going up that hill for me. Would you thank him for that? Today, the Word of God tells us that we're to remember by taking that piece of bread, that cracker, 
and to remember that body that is taking that road, not up to a hospital or an emergency unit, but to a cross. Remember his love for you and for me, because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. May take your bread, your cracker, participate now. It was in the same vein that when Jesus took the cup, he also said, do this in remembrance of me. In the center of our mural, we have a depiction of the cross. And beneath that cross, we see Mary and John. I purposely instructed the artist that was painting these murals not to show the face of Jesus, but to show the tip of his feet and people kneeling beneath it for times just like this. Because I want the Holy Spirit to lead you to that place, the same place where we find that depiction of Mary and John, and to look up at him. Remember, this is not a pretty sight. There's a thief on either side. The religious people are there. The political system is there. But there were a couple of people with all the pain and all the suffering that went up that hill with Jesus and are there to bring some comfort to him in the midst of all that suffering. Today, you can also find yourself because of the power of the Holy Spirit in your mind's eye beneath that cross looking up at Jesus Jesus, even in the midst of his agony, is seeking to lead a a thief on either side of him into salvation. One does become a believer. Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. But it's not pretty. You can't tell it by the detail, but even beneath the cross, there's some blood stains down there. It's not a pretty sight. But there hung Jesus Usually crosses were placed about eight feet from a road. This is Passover season. Hundreds of thousands of people have flooded into Jerusalem. And all the sightseers that are making fun of Jesus and mocking him as he hangs there paying for our sins. An act of love that will never be surpassed in all eternal history. Today's the opportunity to find yourself kneeling in that dirt and dust, to hearing all the the ransom raised behind you, but to look up and call to Jesus, to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. You've asked me to remember. And I want to put aside all the other things that have flooded my mind these last weeks and to come back to the foundation of what it's all about looking up and seeing you on this cross. God, it reminds me of how much I'm loved. It reminds me that you're taking care of me. It reminds me, God, of the promise you gave in your word in Romans 8, 28. You'll even work this for your good. It reminds me that I'm your child, according to John 1, 12, and you take care of your children. So, Jesus, thank you that the blood that's dripping from your body is paying that price once for all, No more Passover lamb that keeps getting slayed year after year after year, once for all. And Jesus, I put my faith and trust in what you have done. 
not in myself, not in the religion, not in a system, but in you. And dear friend, in the silence of your home, if you've done that and you've connected with Jesus in that way, it's a powerful thing. It's a wonderful thing. That is what remembering is all about. It's recapturing the essence of that, bringing everything back into perspective about who God is, who we are, and how much he loves us and cared for us and for the price that he paid. I pray on that journey, you connected and thanked him because he said, as you take your liquid, do this in remembrance of me. Powerful. I pray today, even though we can't be together through the power of the Holy Spirit, you felt the connectedness with your church family because all through our city and beyond, people are celebrating and have celebrated the Lord's Supper. You see, even in the first century, many of the, as the church was persecuted and people scattered into house churches, they would celebrate the Lord's Supper in house churches. And very much, we're kind of like that now, celebrating the Lord's Supper in your house church with other believers, your family. So it's very special. It's very New Testament. I know it was probably a different experience for many of you. But what remains the same is what it's all about. I pray God's blessing on you. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate Resurrection Day. Look forward to sharing again what God is doing for us. I pray that during the midst of all of it, that you remember what we've talked about. Because of God, we can reemerge stronger. Because of God's power, because of what we remember, we can and we will. I pray your family, you individually in this church, that happens exactly like that. We reemerge stronger for God's glory. Thank you once again for watching today. God bless you as you connect with your life journey groups, with your discipleship groups online. God's working. I'm hearing wonderful things about what God is doing. Blessings to you. Celebrate the goodness of God. Thank you.